Was that a different language? That was. I don't remember how to say yes in Navajo. How do I say that? Oh, oh. That means yes, I'm going to preach the word in Navajo. We're glad to be a diverse congregation. And uh, I'm not sure that we're doing any other speaking in tongues besides that. I don't know for sure, but uh, glad you're here. Well, good morning. It's great to be here. It's great to be back from vacation. Just a couple of things that are coming up uh, this next weekend on, I believe it's on Saturday, the kids are going to be preparing for a, uh, for a fundraiser for the teenagers. Kim and Kim King and some others are going to be working on that. And so see Kim King if you want to help with that. That'll be next Sunday. Plan to stay around next Sunday afternoon after church, right? And you can make donations for the meal. And I'm trying to make sure I'm doing this right, Kim. Am I right? And then are they going to have a dessert auction? Yep, that's always fun. Do we have an auctioneer? You need one? You want one? So if you're an auctioneer, talk to Kim. And uh, I think Harlan's done that before and done a good job. So has Kim Chesser. And so if there's somebody who wants to do that, we have a great time next week right after church. Also, this coming Saturday, uh, especially for those of you who just went through Gateway 101, we're having a Gateway 102 class this Saturday afternoon, and it's in the bulletin. I believe the time is at 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. And that's really a way for you to find out, how can I get plugged in at Gateway? Like, where, like, like I've been going here for a while, or I just started going here, but I'd really like to know, where can I be used? Where can I use my gifts? I mean, I, I've got some things I could offer. God's given me some gifts. Where, where do I do that? And so I want to invite you Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock. Uh, Margo Mayo and myself will be leading you through that class, and I think you'll be real blessed through, uh, through Gateway 102. It'll last probably an hour and a half or two. We'll be done uh, you know, before 4 o'clock, I think. We'll need to be done before dark because it's turkey season, okay? So we'll make sure of that positively. Now, I got to do one more thing, and that is um, uh, I got to welcome somebody. And it's not the official welcome because his family isn't here yet, but I want you guys to give a huge welcome to J.E. Bundy. He's our new youth minister. Woo! So those are, those are uh, hand claps of praise, really, to God. We've been praying for uh, God to send us the right family, and J.E. is here. He's hit the ground running. He's going he's gonna to be here for this week, working all week, be here next Sunday, and then he'll be gone for a few days, be back with his family. They're finishing up school in Texas, then he'll be back another week. So he's going to be in transition here for a, a few weeks until summertime, but we'll be seeing him around, and we're thankful he's here, and I know he's going to do uh, a great job, so we're, we're glad to have him as a part. I, I'm just going to uh, remind you something I told you at the beginning of the year on January, I think the second Sunday in January, and I want to let you know, we keep our commitments, that uh, I told you that the day that we got a new youth minister, that Amy and I were going to increase our giving by 10%, and that's what we did today. And I'm reminding you of that as an invitation to invite you to come along with the Duncan family, and uh, this is an investment that's for our kids, and it's, it's certainly worth uh, us uh, giving financially to support a family to move to Rudoso. Man, I'm so glad you're here today, and we are, we're going to be starting a new series, as Brian mentioned, and this really came from, uh, it really came from a few weeks ago. Do you remember a few weeks ago, we had our, our, all our pews were in a circle here, and we had the table in the middle, 
And there was a particular Sunday morning that I gave everyone the opportunity that wanted to, to write on a piece of paper. And we were talking about the woman that had washed Jesus' feet. And we talked about Simon. And we talked about how we could maybe be Simon sometimes, or maybe we're the woman that comes and we've got burdens that we need to lay down at Jesus' feet. And, or maybe we're like Simon, we're kind of judgmental and we, you know, we judge other people. And so you had those two sides of the paper that you could write on. And it was uh, an overwhelming amount of you that wrote on that paper during the invitation song. You brought those and you covered that table over with those cards. Those were anonymous, and so you didn't write your name on them. And I didn't really tell you what I was going to do with them. I don't know that I necessarily had an idea of what I was going to do with them. But as I saw them there, I thought, that's, a, that's, that's really not something to just throw away. So I gathered those up, and the beginning of my week was really busy. And, but when we got to around Thursday, kind of things had slowed down a little bit, and I found about an hour to sit down and be quiet. And I just began to read through what you brought to the feet of Jesus that day. I wonder what you would think most people would bring. I wonder what you would think most people would be weighed down with, that it's heavy and they would have to come and unload it. I wonder what you think that would be. I think I was shocked. As a matter of fact, I, I know I was. I was shocked to find that most of us, a vast majority of us, are carrying the burdens of unforgiveness. I had a whole series planned that I was going to do this month and, and was working on that, and I just set it all aside. And God just took me in a different direction because I thought, this is, what, this is what our church family needs to talk about right now. Last Sunday, our elders, at least I wasn't here, but my understanding is last Sunday, our elders also prayed through all those cards. And as I just went through those that day, I just have to tell you that my heart was broken for you. And that's what this series of lessons right now, for three weeks, we're going to talk about forgiveness. The name of our series is called 70 Times 7. 70 times 7. And you can probably, uh, most of you probably can imagine and know why it's called that. And if you don't, then you will very shortly. But I have to tell you, before we talk about this lesson today, this sermon, and before we get into our text, which is in Matthew chapter 18, if you want to open your Bible to Matthew 18, i got to tell you there's a couple of preliminaries that I need to say about a series about forgiveness. Here's the first one. This is not just some little side subject. Like, oh, you got a bunch of subjects in Christianity. And here's one that, if you get around to it, it'd be a good one to talk about. You know, forgiveness, that'd be a good one. It'd be a little bit like, I think some people think of it that way, a little bit like going to the gym. You get to the gym, maybe, and you, if you have a lot of money and you can afford it, you hire a trainer to show you how to work out. And the trainer says, well, yeah, you look like you're in fairly good health, but you got some love handles there, you know, got kind of little fat on your belly, we need to get rid of that. Or, boy, your triceps, we're going to work back here a little bit on your triceps and get a little definition. Or, See, forgiveness is not that kind of experience like that. The topic of forgiveness is like not going to the gym and talking to the trainer. It's like going to the hospital because you can't breathe. 
And the doc says, we got to get some oxygen inside this body or there's not going to be any love handles or triceps. There's not going to be anything because this lady is going to die if we don't get some oxygen in her body. That's a better illustration of what forgiveness represents. It's central to the life of a Christian It flows through all the other parts of Christianity, through all the other parts of our life, through all our relationships, through our walk with Christ. Forgiveness is the oxygen of all of it. And I believe this series is going to help some of you. And I I don't mean to be presumptuous to say that everybody's going to have a big change. But I believe that God has led me to this. And for that reason, I believe this series, for some of you, is going to help you break free of things that you have been carrying, that have been holding you back for months and years, and you're going to move forward in leaps and bounds in your Christian life, in your walk with God, because he's going to help you. God is going to help you deal with this thing called forgiveness over the next few weeks, if, if you let him. That's the first thing. It's not a side subject. The second thing is this. It's a messy subject. This is a messy subject. It's really not simple. As a preacher, I don't need to stand up here and go, hey guys, I know you've been hurt, but hey, Jesus loves us all, and Jesus wants us to forgive, so let's all just put a smile on, and everybody forgive, and there's brighter days coming, clappy happy, yay, yay, everything's good. I've heard sermons like that, and then I went and vomited, and... and Because that person who said those kind of things is not being realistic about this broken world that we live in. Now, I know the reason probably preachers would do that is because the Bible answers are pretty simple about forgiveness. They're pretty simple. Here's an example of one. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. That's simple. That's a simple thing. You can figure that out. And it's pretty, ev- it's pretty easy to apply, I would say, to our everyday petty, or just our little petty stuff, right? You know what I'm talking about when I say petty, right? You got it? You guys with me on that? Just our little stuff. And, it, and it's my, my brother, my brother and sister-in-law, they have a, a plaque hanging in their bathroom, and it says, uh, a great marriage is made up of two great forgivers. And I think that's true. And I think Amy and I have a pretty good marriage. And most of it's because she is a good forgiver. And she needs to be, to live with me. I mean, it makes sense. You know, we think about the people we love, and we think about the people that we're close to, and we think about the people that are pretty good people, and we go, yeah, don't repay evil for evil. But this text doesn't say... If someone deserves it, don't repay evil for evil. This text doesn't say, if it's someone you love, then don't repay evil for evil. This text says, don't repay, what's the word? Anyone. Evil for evil. And I'm like, anyone? Surely God didn't mean that. And it makes me slow down and be careful not to say some very stupid things while I'm doing this series. Because I'm sure, I'm positive, I I feel confident 
in a crowd this size. There are women who, I'm sorry to say, you were sexually abused when you were a child. Who are sitting here today. There are men who, your, your father abandoned you. He was a sorry, no good guy who couldn't hang around and couldn't stay there and be the dad you needed to be. And there's some of you who wish your dad would have abandoned you because he abused you so bad it would have been better if he would have left. There's some teenagers who are sitting here who are neglected in their family because they live in a materialistic family where the parents have no time for family because they're spending all their time making money. Anyone? Don't repay anyone evil for evil. The murderer? The rapist? The child molester? Come on. Come on. So, is it simple? Well, it's simple words for a Bible study. It's easy for a Bible study to get the right answer. But when the words get dropped into the context of our lives, all of a sudden, it brings us to this right here. Dirt. Ross, you'll be glad to know I was going to just dump this up here on the floor, but I decided I've kind of grown up a little bit. I, I was thinking about this last week that there was a time when I had this great lesson that I did for some teenagers, and I went to speak at another place, and, uh, and, and I made a milkshake, and it was really delicious, had all these great things in it, and, I, and the last item I added to it was some dog doo-doo from our yard, and I, I put it in, guess where I put it? In my wife's blender. See, that was a bad idea. And uh, see what I said about forgiveness? You see what I'm saying? So come on over to the house and have some salsa, you know? It'll be great. No, we bought, we bought a new blender the next day, all right? So it's, it's okay. See, here's the deal. Some of the people that we're talking about, some of these quote-unquote anyone, some of these people that we just can't forgive, we want to forgive them, we, we just can't. We've tried. Some of us have given up trying. Some of these anyones, this right here is what they are. They're dirt. They're just a pile of dirt. And who needs to waste their time on a pile of dirt? They're dumber than dirt. They're dirty, rotten scoundrels. They're a dirty rat. They're dirty. They're worthless as dirt. What do you do with dirt? And it's not, it's not really worth the trouble to even think about. You just walk on it, you forget about it, and you move on in life. That's what you do with dirt. And yet, the scriptures say, anyone. Let's pray. God, help us. I'm begging you to help me, Lord, with this difficult subject. I pray that this would not just be that we came to church and we heard a sermon and we said, yes, that's correct. Those are correct things. I pray, God, that for those who are here today who are carrying incredible burdens because there's someone that they hate, because there's someone that 
did unspeakable things to them. Because there are people who have hurt them so deeply. I pray, I beg God, I beg in the name of Jesus for your healing hand. I pray that your word would bring us the truth we need. I beg, God, that your Holy Spirit would bring the comfort that we need. I pray, God, that you would be the Father. Be the Father we sang about today. And we pray we could lay these burdens down in these next few weeks, God. Help us to let go. Help us to break free of these chains that have enslaved us, some of us, for decades. Help us, God. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said? Amen. Matthew chapter 18. And our text today are two verses. Matthew 18, starting in verse 21 and then verse 22. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or some of your texts say 70 times seven, which is where... Our theme for our series is coming from. Seems random, doesn't it, that Peter would say seven? Hey, Jesus, I got to forgive somebody. How about seven times? What do you think? Does that sound good? But it's not random. See, the leading Jewish rabbis of the day had made it crystal clear, and we have this in writings from that time. They had made it clear that you should forgive people when they sin against you if you should forgive them for the same time, for the same thing, three times. If they do something to you they shouldn't, forgive them. If they do it again, forgive them again. If they do it again, forgive them one more time. If they do it again, that's it. You're done. Three strikes and you're out. Maybe that's where we got that for baseball. Or maybe that's where the courts got it for some illegal activities. Three strikes and you are out. That's the rules. And it's not too bad. It's pretty good rules. And Peter says, let's do this. I'll double it and add one just for good measure. How about that, Jesus? What do you think? Seven times. And most of you know, actually, it's even more than that. It's less random than than him just doubling and adding one. He's using a number that meant something to the Jews. The number seven. The number of completion. The number of perfection. Maybe he's saying, hey, if I forgave seven times, I'd be a pretty good guy, wouldn't I? It'd be pretty good. That'd be pretty amazing. I'd be an exceptional person if I could do that, wouldn't I, Jesus? And before we're too tough on Peter or these rabbis who say three or seven, what does our culture say? Our culture says zero. No forgiveness. I found this place on the internet, I'm not joking, that's a, that's a place like, I don't remember what it was called. Some of you are going to want it when I get done reading this. It's something like uh, geteven.com or something like that. And you can pay to send people these things. For $24.99, you can send them one dozen dead wilted roses. Isn't that nice? Or for $24.99, you can send them one dozen dead rose stems. They just cut the roses off and send them the stems. You can also send them a box of melted chocolates for $24.99. You can send them one dead smelly fish for $19.99. You can send them a bad breath package for $11.99 that has toothpaste and mouthwash and a letter that says, I'm tired of breathing sewage when you talk to me. 
You can send somebody a body odor package, soap and deodorant, and a letter uh, that says, this body odor reminds me of my last trip to the zoo. Uh, or just a, you smell like a junior high boy. So either way, um, oh, I'm just kidding, guys. Come on, I love you. I'm kidding. You guys smell great. Um, our culture says zero. And even, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here, even our culture, right here in this room, our culture, we live by an axiom. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I'll forgive you once. Do it again, that's it. We're done. We're finished. It's over. Now, there's... There's a little bit of wisdom in that axiom. I don't mean to say it's worthless, all right? And we're going we're gonna to get to some of this in a few weeks, what wisdom is, is not, all right? And so that I guess I want to tip my hand a little bit because I want to make sure you don't leave here today just by hearing a sermon about forgiveness and you run back to something that I didn't mean or the scriptures don't say. So let me say this. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you just jump back in the same situation. If you're a woman and you're living with a man who is abusing you physically, I don't want you to get the wrong idea today. I don't want you to leave here and be like, oh, I just need to forgive this person who beats me up more often. Let me be crystal clear. If you're living with a person who's beating you up, then you should go home today and you should pack your bags and you should leave the house today. Then you should call the police Tell them what this person has been doing to you. Now, if you don't want to call the police, I mean, you could talk to me. We've got a couple of really large guys around here that are mostly saved, okay, mostly. And we could send them to have a little talk with, with that guy. You see, the context all of a sudden makes this a little less simple, a little more messy, a little more dirty. And there's some wisdom in the phrase, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, Shame on me. But I think that's that we get confused about these words forgiveness and another word called reconciliation. You see, reconciliation takes two people and it requires something called repentance, which is changed actions. That's different than what we're talking about. We're talking about something called forgiveness and forgiveness, listen to me close, is a one-player game. One player. Forgiveness does not require the participation of the other party for you to play this game called forgiveness. The subject is confusing. It's complicated. And I think Peter kind of gets a bad rap sometimes. Like he was trying to show off for Jesus and Jesus put him in his place. Or he was trying to show off for the other apostles. Hey, seven guys, you know, perfect me, you know, see that? But I think, actually, that's not the truth. If we look at Peter's life, I think Peter is just a guy who's trying to figure out how this works. Okay, Jesus, I know you want us to forgive, and I'm with you on that, but how does that work, Jesus? How? So I think he's like us. I think he's like you, and I think he's like me, because I think that's where we're at. Okay, Jesus, I'm with you. I want to forgive. Now, now how, how do I do that? And I, and I want I, I want to try to do this, Jesus, but it, it just keeps coming back. As soon as I think I've kind of done it, then all of a sudden, 
I start thinking about this piece of dirt again and what he or she did to me, and I'm off and running. How do I do this? And we're going to talk about some practical things about forgiveness in this series in the next couple of weeks. But I want you to understand this. Jesus is going to give an answer to Peter that really isn't so much about how. It's more about why. And even bigger than why, it's really not about the rules. Two times, three times, seven times, 70 times seven. What are the rules? It's not about the rules. It's about changing the game. It's really about changing from a game to changing my way of living my life. I think it's a little bit like two fish. If you can imagine two fish laying on the side of the bank and they're flopping around. And one fish keeps slapping the other fish when they flop. And finally, this fish asks Jesus, hey, this fish over here has slapped me seven times. Is that enough? Can I quit forgiving this fish now? And Jesus doesn't answer the question. Jesus says, you need to get in the water. And the water is forgiveness. Because that's where you were built and made to swim and live. (gasps) And breathe oxygen. You're supposed to fall into this called forgiveness and swim around in it it's where you're supposed to live i'm not going to tell you how at least jesus doesn't to peter in this particular example like i said we're going to get we're going to get to some other specifics peter's question is going to lead jesus to tell one of the greatest stories ever told and we're going to come back and we're going to read that story next week And talk about it. So you can be reading it this week and thinking about it. And his question is going to lead us to talk about ways that we can deal with people that you have in your mind right now. You have a person or people in your mind right now. I've been talking about this pile of dirt. You got him? You got her? Got the group? You got them? This pile of dirt? We're going to talk about some practical ways to forgive that person or those people. But this week, we're just going to finish our time up by talking briefly about two others that you need to forgive before you can deal with this piece of dirt person that you got in your mind. And here's the two others. You might be surprised to hear who they are. God and yourself. You need to forgive God. You want to talk about a pile of dirt? God gave me a pile of dirt. Maybe you feel that way about your circumstance. I was born in this family. Do you know how much this family has messed me up? I didn't ask to be born in this family. I didn't do anything to get in this family. God put me here in this pile of dirt. Thanks a lot, God. Or this body that I have. And whatever it is that you don't like about your body, oh, I'm too fat or I'm too skinny or I'm too white or I'm too dark or I'm too whatever. I don't have enough hair. I got too much hair. I got hair in the wrong places, you know, or whatever. I don't know. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. We complain about, oh, God, I, you know, I got this pile of dirt body you gave me. Or maybe it's something more serious than that. I got this really bad sickness, God. You gave me a pile of dirt. Thanks a lot. I didn't ask for this. I didn't do anything to deserve this. I'm stuck in this stupid job. Thanks a lot, God, for this pile of dirt job. I got this problem in my life, and it won't go away no matter what I do. It gets worse and worse. Thanks, God, for the pile of dirt that you gave me. I pray, and I pray, and I pray. And how do you answer my prayer? Give me a bigger pile of dirt. Thanks a lot, God. I've been a good person. I tried my hardest, and God has just let all this dirt, this pile of dirt, happen. 
in my life. And some of you today, you need to forgive God for what he's given you. Or for what he let happen to you, or what you perceive he let happen to you, or for what you perceive he did to you. You need to forgive God. Now, I'm going to say something here, and I want everybody, if you're asleep, I want you to wake up, and I want you to listen to this, because this is very, very important right here, okay? Technically, God doesn't need to be forgiven. Theologically, God doesn't need to be forgiven. Let's make that crystal clear. God is a good God. God's never messed up. But here's the deal. Your feelings are different than that. And if your feelings are different than that, you're in pretty good company, actually. You're in company of a bunch of people in the Bible. Listen to what Job said after his friends. His friends talked to him and told him how it was. And he says, well, yeah, what you know, I know that too. He's talking to his friends. But he says, but I desire to speak to the Almighty and to argue my case with God. That's what I want to do. I'm going to just read some random things from Job. Job 13, he says to God, only grant me these two things, God. Just these two things, and then I'll not hide from you. Withdraw your hand from me and stop frightening me with your terrors. Then summon me and I will answer or let me speak. And then you reply. In Job 16, he says, surely, God, you have worn me out. You've devastated my entire household. You've bound me and it has become my witness. My gauntness rises up and testifies against me. God assails me and, tear, and tears me in anger. He gnashes at me with his teeth. My opponent, God, fastens on me his piercing eyes. Later in Job 16, all was well with me, but he shattered me. He seized me by the neck and he crushed me and he made me his target. His archers surrounded me with pity he pierces my kidney and he spills my gall on the ground. Again and again, he burst on me. He rushes on me like a warrior. And earlier in Job 9, he says this. He's not a man like me, that I might answer him, that, he, that we might confront each other in court. If only there were someone to arbitrate between us, to lay his hand upon us both. We're going to see that there is someone like that. Someone to remove God's rod from me so that his terror wouldn't frighten me anymore. And then I would speak up without fear of him, but as it stands right now, I cannot. The psalmist, several of the psalmists, say it even a little bit more strongly. Psalm chapter 10 says, Why, O oh Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Come on, God! Where yet? Psalm 88 why, O oh Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I've been afflicted and close to death. I have suffered your, your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me all day long. They surround me like a flood. They've completely engulfed me. You've taken my companions and my loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. Thanks for the pile of dirt, God. I live in darkness. Psalm 44, awake. God, wake up. Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression, our pile of dirt down here? We're brought down to the dirt, to the dust, and our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us. 
Redeem us because of your unfailing love. Even Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Be crystal clear on this. God hasn't done anything wrong. But our feelings of anger and our feelings of disappointment are like millstones around our neck if we keep them. They keep us from swimming around in the water of forgiveness. Instead, we need to bring those feelings and those prayers to God and tell him how we feel. He can handle it. He put it right there in the Bible so we would see. And it's a first step toward us forgiving other people. First, we need to forgive God. And secondly, we need to forgive ourselves. Dirt. If you knew what I did, I'm the worthless dirt. I feel dirty. I feel as low as the dirt. I think probably all of us at times in our life have can identify with that kind of feeling about ourself. I've been completely selfish. I don't even like who I've become. I've hurt others so terribly. You have no idea how low I have gone. I've made terrible mistakes, and I can't even look at my face in the mirror. Some of you need to forgive yourself for your past mistakes, for your sin, for your evil behavior. Now, listen up. If you're asleep, wake up, because this is really, really important. And I want everybody to hear this. Technically and theologically, you can't forgive yourself. There's only one who can forgive you, and that's Jehovah God. He's the only one. But it doesn't feel that way, does it? Your feelings are stopping you from coming to him or from believing him. And I think of these examples of these three people who needed to forgive themselves. Better said, these are three people who needed to believe that God forgave them. Judas. He'd seen Jesus forgive other people. He could believe that. But that forgiveness wasn't for him. And ultimately, what Judas's greatest sin in my opinion, more so than betraying the Son of God was his pride. His pride that said, I get to decide whether I'm forgiven or not. I'm God, I'm the one who decides, and I'm not forgiven. And where does that lead? It leads to destruction. If God said he forgave you, then who are you to argue with him? What kind of pride do you have that says you're bigger than God? And you get to decide whether you're forgiven or not. Peter. So similar to Judas. Right there at the last few days, the last few hours of Jesus' life. And yet his response is as different as night and day from the response of Judas. He believed Jesus. Jesus. He believed the gospel. He remembered Jesus had said, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And he accepted that. Later in his life, Peter would write this, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety. You have some anxiety about the dirt in your life? Cast it all on him because he cares for you. Third person, Paul. If anyone had a reason not to forgive himself, it was Paul. 
He stood by while someone was being murdered. He gave his approval. He persecuted the church. He, by his own words, called himself the worst of sinners or the chief of sinners. He didn't roll around in self-pity when he said that. He knew even his sin points to the gospel. Grace was shown to even a dirty, rotten sinner like Paul so that the rest of us might believe that we could be forgiven too. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the possibility that your sin, your dirt, even your sin, that it could actually point toward a loving God? That it could point toward the gospel? That your sin could point some other people to go, wow, God forgave even her. Maybe God could forgive me. Later, Paul says, I don't consider myself yet to take hold of one thing I do. I forget what is behind. And he says, I strive to move forward toward Christ, to the goal for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What does God do with all this dirt? Well, you know what he does? He does the exact same thing that he's always done. He does what he did in the Garden of Eden. He makes beautiful things. Watch this video, and then we'll finish.
God's making beautiful things out of my brothers and sisters right here in this room. And I want to encourage you today to just bring all the dirt to him this week. The people who've hurt you. Circumstances that are not fair. Your own sin. And let God begin to work on your heart as we walk through this time of forgiving those who've sinned against us and this time of letting God forgive us. If you've never asked God to forgive you for your sins, today is the day to do that. You bring your dirt to him and you let him wash you white as snow. He'll make something beautiful. If you've never been baptized into Christ, then I invite you to follow Christ in that step of faith today. Whatever you need, we have shepherds, good shepherds here. They'll be here to pray. Let's stand and let's sing. My faithful Father,